You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 124. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, on the precipice of a historic U.S. election, I will start with a brief commentary on making portfolio decisions based on election outcomes. Backed by popular demand, we have decided to make our new Case For and Case Against segment a permanent fixture. Our head of income research, Mr. Aaron Dunn, will make his highly anticipated first argument facing off against Brennan. In the line of fire this week is Apple Inc., symbol AAPL on the NASDAQ, the iPhone company, which should need no introduction. While the stock sold off this week after its quarterly results included a lack of forward guidance, the consumer tech giant is up 47% this year. We argue both sides of the buy-sell argument for this stock. With a hat tip to Movember and men's cancer prevention and treatment, this week's Your Stock Our Take was sent in from a listener on Profound Medical Corp, symbol PRN on the TSX, a medical technology company developing medical treatments with its core technology used in the ablation of the prostate gland. We let you know if its share price gains are justifiable based on underlying cash flow at present. So let's get into our show this week. Brennan, I'd like to welcome you and our co-host, Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good afternoon. Very well, very well. It's a big day, obviously. Uh, mm, indeed. U.S. election, so everybody's paying attention to that. A lot of, a lot of emails from clients asking what, what they should do with their portfolios or what actions they should take in light of the the election um although it's a little bit late now yes and i'm I'm gonna answer i'm gonna answer a question on that in a second but even bigger than that is again we're launching our build your modern stock portfolio with a 15 25 quality stocks november 10th is the first at 7 p.m pacific 10 p.m eastern november 17th at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific be there, and uh, we'll have some more discussion on that later in the segment. But obviously, the big news of the day, Aaron already said, it's uh, we are recording this on the morning of Election Day in the U.S. So I, Aaron had said, port, making portfolio decisions based on election outcomes, I'm going to give some practical advice on that now. Um, for many months, I've been hearing, I'm sure many of our listeners out there have been hearing from pundits and advisors Uh, Placing their bets on which sectors and which individual stocks they believe will benefit in the event of a Biden or Trump win in today's historic U.S. election. It is a strategy, in my opinion, that is fought with peril. Polls can be misleading or just simply wrong. You look no further than the most recent U.S. election for proof of this. If you were positioning your portfolio going for a Clinton-Democrat win, which was the consensus heading in, 
you may have had your hat handed to you. Now, even if you pick the right horse, many politicians once in power are suddenly unwilling or just unable to act on campaign promises, which may have benefited the sector or individual stock you invested in. Thus, your investment thesis becomes worthless. Look, the stock market has seen no shortage of terrible policy from both sides of the political spectrum in the U.S. over the last hundred years. And in most cases, good companies find ways to pay and increase dividends and create shareholder value long term. So take heart ahead of today's big U.S. vote. In most cases, an individual politician or party's impact on your portfolio to the upside or to the downside is greatly exaggerated. My advice would be to focus on what you can control. There's always going to be a great deal of noise and worry surrounding the stock market and just investing in general, be it low interest rates, debt levels, war, social unrest, or a coming election in this case. Most of this you have absolutely zero control over. Fortunately, what you do have control over is by far the most important uh, to your portfolio's creation of long-term wealth and to your success. Now, those two elements would be, number one, portfolio composition, essentially what you put in your portfolio. Number two would be portfolio construction, how you build that portfolio. And when we look at portfolio composition, what you put in your portfolio, this is literally the most important decision you can make. Now, in our upcoming seminars, we're going to show you why you should focus on high-quality growth and dividend growth stocks that trade at reasonable prices, where to find them as well. Now, number two is that portfolio construction, which we also talk about. We'll show you how to construct a simple portfolio, save on fees, build long-term wealth in your portfolio. So how many stocks you should buy, what types of stocks, and over what period you should contemplate building that portfolio. So just really simple strategies that are just really designed to enrich you, not your advisor. Making portfolio decisions based on an outcome of an election, in this case, the US election, is just fraught with peril in your portfolio. We'd stick to what you can control. Certainly, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to, to predict exactly what a politician is going to do. But I would agree that there's probably more focus on, on things like elections than there really should be. And more than likely, a portfolio, an investor's portfolio is going to be impacted um, more by other factors that have nothing to do with with who wins the the election today. So, um, but as we've always said before, you know you can't predict what's going to happen in the future. What you can do, as you said, Ryan, is you can control what you put in your portfolio today, and that's why it's important that you focus on a very specific um, profile of company that's a profitable, growth-oriented business with a strong financial position um, that is not grossly overvalued, um, and create a mix of different types of companies in your portfolio. So you should have some some defensive companies, you should have some dividend pairs, you should have some large cap tech giants, um, you should have some smaller cap growth stocks as well different industries, different types of companies, but all with a focus on profitability, growth, financial strength, and valuation. And if you do that, you really set your portfolio up um, to perform well over time in a variety of different economic scenarios. Yeah. And if you want, I, I agree completely. If you want to invest based on trends or looking at really long-term trends, look at those long-term trends that you can broadly count on regardless of political party that is in power. I mean, if you look at aging demographics, like 
a political party, you know, they can make moves in certain areas there, but nobody can stop that train that's already out of the gates or that horse that's out of the gates in that respect. So if you want to bet on long-term themes, uh, the digitization of the world, like any sitting political party is not going to stop that type of train that has significant momentum behind it. Uh, betting on a, a sector or a small niche sector because you think that some party is going to give you an advantage in that regard, again, is fraught with peril. And uh, we think that the most important thing is those two th elements that we talked about. And out of those, just sticking with great companies that can grow your portfolio over time is what we would look for. So let's uh, get into our first segment today. Um, it is on Apple, the case for and against this week. Brennan will be providing the case for in investing in Apple. And we gave, Aaron was very gracious this week. He gave Aaron, the ch or <laughs> he gave Brennan the choice of which company or which side of the argument he would go with. Uh, and uh, Brennan chose to, chose to go on the case for. So Aaron will be opposing him with a case against. Yeah, and, and I, I, I will say that I'm a little bit nervous, not because I think that Brennan is necessarily a, a great debater, but because he does have a tendency to try <laughs> well, and Well, we know he's judge. not. Let's be honest. I'm just kidding. So he's 2-0 and in these events. He's he's also, or sorry, 0-2 in these events. He's also 0-2 when it comes to successful bribe offers. Um, yep. But, you know, I'm, I, I'm worried his luck might change here. So that's, it's got me a little nervous, but I'm ready to go. You should be nervous. I don't know what it says about you, but uh, he hasn't offered me a bribe yet, so I'm not sure what that mm, yeah, well, uh, says that, that about his thoughts on your character. That would be a likely story from you if he offered you one, you accepted it, right? Then you'd be like, no, no, immediately I would have. Bribes. So clearly he's misjudged mm -hmm. me, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. So. Yeah, that really alleviates my concerns. Thanks, Ron. I know, I know. Well. Maybe I just don't tell you that he's offered me one. Maybe one's already been secured. Yeah, right? Exactly. So we don't know. Okay, well, let's get into it. Let's start this off. Let's not leave the listeners waiting. The case for and against Apple Inc., symbol AAPL on the NASDAQ. Well, Apple really does need no introduction, but for the sake of consistency, Apple, the iPhone company, designs, manufactures, and markets smartphones, personal computers, tablets, wearables, and accessories worldwide. It also sells various related services. Many of you have those services. Currently, it trades at $110.50 in that range. Market cap, absolutely massive, $1.9 trillion. So, are you ready there, Brennan? I'm just I getting my stopwatch. This ready. is really good radio because I'm getting my stopwatch ready right now. And you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to set you to a minute starting now. Number one, one of the greatest investors of all time, Warren Buffett, owns over 5.7% of Apple's outstanding shares, coming in at just under 50% of Berkshire Hathaway's overall portfolio. Number two, Apple has an economic moat as their customers are loyal and are willing to open their wallets for premium products, with Warren Buffett even stating that this is one of the reasons he likes the company. Number three, privacy. In a world with a lack of privacy, Apple is leading the charge for consumer privacy, which I believe will lead to further brand loyalty. As the new iOS 14 system defaults users to be opted out of data being collected on them. Number four, the iPhone 12 has just been released, which could give a boost to the company's sales in the short term. Number five, according to Statista, Apple has 
52% of the smartphone market in the US and globally, they only have about 26% of the market showing an opportunity for increased expansion outside of North America. And number six, the stock is trading at a reasonable PE multiple of approximately 33 times considering 10.7% growth in EPS and 16% growth in cash flow from operations over the past year. Uh, Boom. That didn't sound like your, like your phone alarm, Ryan. Yeah, what the heck, Ryan? Because it didn't go off. Sounded to me like about the longest minute I've ever heard. But anyway, <laughs> it it hey, it <laughs> was a minute. I, I don't know about that. Just nothing went off, so uh, you know, I, I improvise I'm improvisation joking, right I'm, there. I'm not worried about it. You should be. Yeah, I'm you, you, you. seem you seem to be <laughs> protesting a lot here. Maybe you are a little maybe worried, right? Maybe I am. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. Well, it is a hard case. Both, uh, you know, it's a. I mean, I think Apple's a good company, but right. let's 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 start this off. I'd say Aaron Dunn, Mr. Aaron Dunn, are you ready? I'm ready. Sweating? Yes. No, I'm good. Okay, uh, you are a go. One, growth has slowed substantially. Revenue increased only 1% in the most recent quarter and 5.5% last year. Reported earnings per share were down 4% in the most recent quarter and up only 10% for the year. The val- Two, the valuation is high. Apple trades at a valuation of 34 times earnings. This is expensive relative to Apple's historic range of 15 to 20 times earnings over the past five years and concerning when taking into account the decline in growth. Three, there are better tech stocks to own that offer higher growth for a similar valuation. Two examples being Microsoft and Facebook, which reported quarterly earnings growth of over 30% and traded similar valuations. Four, iPhone sales have declined. The iPhone is Apple's top product, accounting for over 50% of sales. However, iPhone sales were down 20% in the last quarter and down 3% over the last year. Five, technological innovation is waning. As a customer, I've noticed very few meaningful improvements in the iPhone over the last several versions. Done. Wow. All right. With a couple seconds to spare, he's a pro. There we go. Okay. Nicely done. Are you using an iPhone, Ryan? (laughs) Yes, I am. But that's a case four right there. So I don't know if you want to say that, right? Ooh, yeah. Well, I also use an iPhone, so. Yeah, it's true. I think Brandon does too. So what does that tell you? Um, now, as far as judge, jury, and ex- executioner on this, um, I think it's a really tough one because I think the case for in the long term is there for Apple. The case against in the short term in terms of valuations is there. So if I'm going to be a short term, like over the next year, I think that I'm not buying Apple right now. If I'm going to look long term, I would not bet against Apple. So it's really tough for me. I think I'm going to side with Aaron on this yeah. one. That means I'm 0 for 3, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it pains me to do it. It honestly pained me to do no, it. No, it's understandable. Honestly, I think that Aaron made some really good points. Um, I definitely would have, like he's like he was talking about, you know, the iPhone sales have been declining. Innovation has been kind of lacking. And as well, just, you know, they're trading at really high multiples for their growth slowing here. So, yeah, I mean, well, no, I, how can you We can hit back that? on that by saying, yeah. you know, their growth in the last couple of quarters is going to be downward during a pandemic right now in terms mm-hmm. of the iPhone sales. There's also a, uh, a cycle that we're just heading into, I believe, with a new phone coming out. Uh, not this next quarter, but the quarter after that, as far as I understand on, on yes. Apple, should show good growth once again. So it may be if you saw a tick back in the shares at a time to add, 
add, uh, you know, significantly. If there was a pullback in the shares over the next month or two, it could be a time. Wouldn't bet against Apple over the long term. In terms of the valuations, we always look at uh, what else we can buy. You know, if you're looking at the fangs right now, what else we can buy at what valuation and comparing those two things. And I think that is one of the strongest arguments that can be made right now as Apple has outperformed. Um, is there some better value in a couple of the other names? And that's literally in our seminar, what we'll be talking about. Aaron's gone through every FANG stock, all the FANG stocks, and we're going to look at those. We've added a couple other tech giants in there as well. Look at those, see if they're right for your portfolio right now, based on the underlying cash flow, the underlying fundamentals and the growth going forward. So, you know, I, I can't wait to dig into that in, in the upcoming seminar. But that was a great job today, guys. And I'll tell you, that was a really tough it's a tough one, I and I will through. say that with 5G, that is going to, I would expect, yes. um, at least for a period, to see growth resume with Apple, and that's probably part of, uh, well, that's almost certainly part of what has been fueling um, the share price over the past uh, couple of quarters here. However, I think that a lot of that must already be factored into the price. When you look at it compared to the other FANG tech giants, it has the lowest growth, and that's not just during the pandemic, that's the last couple of years, so... Um, you know, if somebody said I had to buy it, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it, it, it's a bad company to own, but certainly if I was going to pick two, uh, large cap tech companies or three or four, you know, I don't know if Apple would be in there. I think that there might be other, I think there are better things to own. Yeah, I think that's a great point on it. And, you know, Brennan brought up, brought up a great point in that Apple's, you know, they dominate the North American market, but there's still tremendous growth in other markets throughout the world where the Android system through uh, Alphabet or Google owns those markets, essentially. So if Apple can continue to penetrate into those markets, there is a growth for them. But they had traded historically at a discount to the FANG stocks, and they are either in line or slightly above at this point. So when you look at some of the other FANG stocks that are growing... Uh, at a higher rate right now, um, is there better value though? Of course, we could flip that around and saying there's more regulatory risk in some of those other names. So it's always a great debate and we'll have more of that debate in our upcoming seminars. Now let's segue into our Your Stock, our take of the week. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. And again, this is great because we're celebrating the month of November. Uh, Brennan is fresh-faced right now. He shaved off his full beard and he's growing that stash right now. It'll take him about four to five months to grow that, so we don't even know. <laughs> I'm kidding. He grows it pretty fast. So uh, I think he'll have it within a week, and uh, it's great to see that he's supporting that cause. So we had a company, Profound Medical Corporation, PRN, that was actually sent in by a listener via email. Uh, she said she purchased the stock a while ago. She's made a nice return, and she wants to know whether it's a buy, sell, or hold right now. Brennan, in honor of November, you're going to take Profound Medical Corporation. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So again, Profound Medical Corp, PRN on the TSX, currently trading at a price of around $23.25, has a market cap of $450 million. Uh, and Profound Medical is a medical technology company developing treatments to ablate the prostate gland, uterine fibroids, and nerves for palli palliative pain 
uh, relief for patients with metastatic bone disease. Now that is a mouthful, but I made it through it. Uh, as well, its lead product is its uh, Tulsa Pro system, which is a technology which is used for the ablation of the prostate tissue. Uh, and the product comprises of one-time use disposables and durable equipment that are used in conjunction with a customer's existing MRI scanner. So just some key points here uh, in understanding the business a little bit. In August, in August of 2019, the Tulsa Pro system received FDA clearance as a class two device in the US and the company initiated the commercial launch of the Tulsa Pro system in Q4 of 2019, which of course, after they received this FDA clearance, uh, the share price did surge from around $9 where it was trading at uh, to around $25. So the market was very excited about this uh, and this was just before the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, to date, Profound has generated majority of its revenues from the limited commercialization of its systems in Europe, principally in Germany and Asia. Uh, and the company also continues to seek regulatory approvals of its products in additional international jurisdictions. Uh, and just to give a rundown of uh, where its revenue is coming from, 56% of its revenue is coming from the EU, 14% is coming from the US right now, and 30% is coming from Asia. Uh, and of course, this was for its most recent quarter, June 30th of 2020. Now, looking at the company's most or most recent financial results, revenue was up around 150% to 1.4 million uh, from approximately 600,000 in Q2 2019. So good growth, but it is growing off a pretty small base. Gap net loss per share for the quarter was around 46 cents compared to a loss of 54 cents for the same quarter last year. And 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA was a loss of 18.7 million. So not very good there. They're, they're losing money, which we don't like to see. Uh, and the company is trading with a price to sales multiple of approximately 58 times, uh, showing that they are very expensive right, uh, right now. Uh, so to conclude on the company, it is promising that they have received their FDA approval for its flagship product and revenues are growing at a decent pace, but the company is far from breaking into profitability or even achieving positive EBITDA. And it appears that the company also understands that it still has some work to, uh, to do to gain traction for its Tulsa Pro system in the US. Now, if the company is able to gain further clinical evidence and adoption for its products, uh, it may be able to fast track into profitability, but this is certainly speculation at this point. So based on the company trading at an expensive price to sales multiple and the fact that it is still far from breaking into profit or achieving positive EBITDA, it is not a stock that Keystone would recommend uh, that investors hold. Um, essentially, you know, Ryan and Aaron always say um, uh, profit is essentially um, proof of concept, you know, verific exactly proof of concept. Uh, you know, they got no profit. It's it's still speculation at this. Yeah, point. not yeah, only I mean, do they have no profit, I mean they really have almost no revenue. Um, as you said, one point four million, mm -hmm. a little over one point four million for the quarter. I've got um, about six million and change for the last year. So I have a price to sales. I, I I don't I didn't hear what you said on the price to sales, Brandon, but I have a price to sales here at seventy times. They lost five and a half million in operating income. Um, 7.3 million in net income off revenue of 1.4 million so in the quarter so that's i mean that is pure speculation when we see things like this um you we, you can't even consider you can't even really go to the next stage of research because there just isn't enough 
there to research yet. Now, it doesn't mean they can't come out with a great product and eventually sell it, but you know, that's really akin to like playing the lotto or going to Vegas and gambling, which I guess since we can't go to Vegas, people are looking for other ways to do it, but you know, I look at this, I wouldn't touch it with a I wouldn't cons- I wouldn't even consider it. Yeah, and when we look at companies like this, um, you know, I I think the call out should be is there a doctor in the house? Like is there a doctor in the- because a researcher in this field would be better than an analyst looking at cash flow trying to evaluate this company because you're basically making a judgment on the product, the market going forward and whether this is best in class and can I have a huge market for it. Uh, it is not something that an analyst like ourselves could really look at. And, uh, you know, based on the underlying numbers right now, it looks significantly undervalued. I mean, I, I did a consensus uh, target search and analyst target search and price target search on this company. I mean, there's a high target right now of $43, a low of 24 So, I mean, I would say it looks significantly undervalued. But those, all those analysts, all of them are forecasting this company to not start to make money by until 2022 so you know two years out and they start making money and even based on that it would be trading at well over 100 times that guesstimate of earnings two years out so again if they can come out with a patented product that's enforceable that gives them a long runway and it's in a large market we are not the ones to go to to look at that type of analysis on this company. Based on the underlying fundamentals right now, it's very expensive. So hopefully that makes sense uh, because, it, you know, a business like that is, like we said, very difficult to value. You are speculating and basically investing in the management team going forward and the underlying researchers in that project. That's going to do it for our show this week. Uh, we'd like to remind you, buy your tickets for our Build a Modern Stock Portfolio with 15 to 25 quality stocks uh, portfolio or seminar coming up. Uh, early bird tickets are on sale. VIP tickets are on sale. Go to keystocks.com. Click on the right-hand side there uh, and uh, purchase your tickets for November 10th at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, November 17th. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. There's a 45-minute Q&A at the end. Aaron and myself and Brennan would love to talk to you at the end of that. Again, for this week, I wish you all profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.